We are back. We are live and we are ready to go. Skulls and Sam Firu, we are ready to take it on. Lots of stuff on the show tonight. We'll get to the Pocket Employment Lawyer. This is a fantastic new website. You can have, it, uh, have a look at it right now, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And your phone calls and your emails. We've got a ton of emails to get through. We will concentrate on that tonight. And sending one along is simple, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, to get a hold of Lior and the firm anytime when we're not doing the show, be it uh, Monday, Wednesday, or the weekend shows as well, or the TV show, one 821 5900 and that is the way we roll. Week that was, pal. You got a couple things you want to cover. What do you, uh, what do you got? Absolutely, John. And uh, we're talking about employment law today, workplace rights, as always, trying to help as many as many people as possible solve those wor- workplace issues, help them resolve some of the problems they may be facing. If they had a, a confusing week where their employer told them about changes that are going to happen, this is the time of year, by the way, where changes may be announced for the new year. And if the, you, you've heard some changes, maybe the company's restructuring, maybe the company's being sold, or maybe there's some cost cuts. And what does that mean to you? What are your rights? What happens if you lose your job or your job yeah. changes? All those questions, Emory, and hopefully we can make you feel better about your workplace rights. I promise you that we can. And if you don't want to get on air, you don't feel like doing that, but you do still want to ask your question, you do still want to know more about your rights, not a problem, no issue. We'll give you my phone number, we'll give you my email address throughout the show, so stay tuned for that. But week there was some situations that I dealt with very, very recently. So first matter I'll tell you about, John, is uh, involved a gentleman who had uh, recently found out that his company is making some changes to his bonus uh, uh, compensation. Mm. Now, he had a bonus for the past five years that uh, amounted to up to 20% of his salary. Now, some years uh, he got the full amount, which resulted in about $25,000. Other years he got much less, as little as $5,000, depending on how he did, depending on how the company did. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the company announced recently that because of uh, some restructuring changes, they've realigned positions, whatever the, 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 the words used by companies these days, no more bonus. So he's not going to have any more bonus. Uh, compensation stays the same, job stays the same, everything is the same hours, just no more bonus. And he called me and he wanted to know what does that mean? Can they do that? You know, sometimes that could be a lot of money, sometimes it could be eh, not so much money. Is that right? Well, John, the answer is absolutely not. The company cannot do this. They've changed the terms of employment. They changed his compensation. They may have kept his salary. They may have kept his uh, job title, but they changed his compensation. They gave him a, a pay cut of somewhere between $5,000 and $25,000. That oh. is not something they're allowed to do. Uh, your bonus becomes a term of employment. If you will get a regular bonus, it may not be the same amount every year. Maybe some years are better than others. But that bonus, the right to have that bonus, is a term of employment, which means you cannot take, have that taken away. Your employer cannot say, now there's no more bonus. Now we're, we're changing that. It's the same as giving you a, a, a cut to your pay. It's the same as a reduction in pay. That is a constructive dismissal. So what I told them is, well, you can accept this. Absolutely, that's your right. Or you can say, no, I'm going to treat this as a constructive dismissal and leave with my severance. And he's deciding now what he wants to do. But I wanted, of course, to remind all our listeners there that even something like taking away bonus or changing the bonus or giving you less bonus potential, that is also something an employer is not allowed to do and may absolutely, John, result in a constructive dismissal. 
Yeah, they're pulling a Clark Griswold. Cancel the bonus. No pool going in this spring, that's for sure. But uh, you're on it. So I think I'll be a good, uh, good employment laws around here. I know you want to get to the uh, the second uh, matter you want to talk about. Uh, we will. Uh, Maria, good evening. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Thanks for hanging on there for a minute. Uh, what's your concern? Um, I have a question regarding uh, personal days off, which the government implemented back in September. Yes. All right. Um, would you mind? Um, so I am in a unionized environment. I work for a company that is unionized. And so my company allows us um, to accrue four hours of sick time a month for a full-time employee. So, so that, that's about six days um, a year. But there's nothing in place for emergencies for children when your child gets sick. There's no emergency LOA that you can call if your husband gets sick or a parent. And so these personal days off when they came out, um, nothing was explained to us. So people started taking them and then the company said, uh, no, they're not to be staggered on top of your sick time because you already have sick time. So can you just tell me how these personal days off work? Because right now we don't get them anymore because we accrue um, the sick time, which gives us six days a year for our own personal illness. Yeah, so there's certain leaves of absence that you're entitled to have uh, under the Employment Standards Act. Uh, you, you're, you can take some uh, some days for your sickness, as you said. You're allowed to take what we call family responsibility leave. Sometimes you can take a leave of absence because there's some family issues, family caregiver leave. So there's a number of leaves of absence you're entitled to have. And even if you're part of a union, that's not something that your employer can, can contract out of. So I, I, it seems to me that... There may be a bit of a misunderstanding in terms of what you get and what you don't get because your union would not agree to something that breaches the Employment Standards Act. So my best advice to you, in fact, it's the only advice that I could ever give you because you're unionized, is to speak to your union because they're the ones that can enforce your rights. I can't enforce your rights. You can't enforce your rights. It has to be the union. So speak to your union and, and, and see if there's something missing, if there's something maybe that was not put in the collective agreement but there's an understanding that's a separate understanding with the employer about. So you have to speak to your union, no matter what it is, because your union, as the union, is the only one allowed to help you and enforce your rights. Maria, appreciate the call. We're going to uh, let you go for there. Going to move on to uh, to Chris again. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. Hey, Chris. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, two quick questions, and I think one of them you sort of like answered at the. At the uh, just a caller ago, but I'm going to pass it on anyway. Okay. And my opinion is that if I'm in a union and I have issues with the employer, uh, the union looks after me uh, to the extent that the union wants to look after me. If I was at a private, engaged in a private business that didn't have a union, I could sue these guys till doomsday if I had the money and the inclination. So if I'm joined a union, are my rights not a little bit restricted as if I were not in a union when it comes to that? They're not a little bit restricted, actually, uh, Krista. They're significantly restricted in that you cannot enforce your rights. You cannot say, well, I, I'm going to find out what the law is. I'm going to pursue my, my rights. It has to be the union. And, you know, in some many situations, the union may do a very good job. In other situations, they may not do a good job, either because they don't know uh, what to do or maybe they don't want to because there's other things that they're concerned about. 
and and you kind of live by the union and die by the union you have to kind of follow what the union says and if you're you're non-unionized employee in many cases you don't even need to sue your employer oftentimes you know a letter from me solves the problem right away i can't do that with unionized employees so yes chris that is the downside of being unionized oh well human rights comes in the second one is the point you brought up right at the beginning of the show about bonuses uh now, I'm seeing myself as a small employer uh, that's got a few employees, and the company's doing well, and I'm going to say to my employees, look, we're doing great, and because of that, I'm going to give you a bit of a bonus. Uh, the second year, the company does good. The third year, the company does good. The fourth year, the company takes a bit of a nosedive. Right. And I say, sorry, guys, there's no more money in the kitty. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Now, you're saying that my employees could treat this as a constructive criticism because they're getting, they've got to the point where they like this bonus. So no, so, so, so that's not there? that's actually not what I'm saying. First of all, constructive dismissal, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's one thing to say we have a bonus plan, and if these criteria are met, you get the bonus. This year we didn't meet the criteria because the business didn't do well, so you don't get a bonus. That's fine. But to say now I've decided you don't get a bonus no matter what. You don't. There's no more bonus plan, period. That is different. That is something that the employer is not allowed to do. So okay. one thing to say... Uh- we had a bad year, no bonuses. Yeah, that's legitimate. But to say, doesn't matter what year we're going to have, we simply decided no more bonuses going forward. Uh, you know, kind of the, the, the Clark Griswold situation, to, to mm-hmm. quote John, that is not something that the employer is allowed to do. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. Uh, some good questions there. We will roll on 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And Brad, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Good hey, Brad. Good fellow, what's uh, what's your concern? Uh, I walked into work yesterday, seven years on the job. Um, was told that company was going in a different direction and laid off. Offered me uh, termination and release form. Offering me seven weeks in lieu of um, not giving me notice, and an additional seven for the seven years I was there. And offered me thirty five hundred dollars to sign the release form and call it a day. So, so that's fourteen weeks plus another thirty-five hundred bucks. Yeah. So now, Brad, so, about eighteen weeks. Eighteen weeks, call it good. All right. So you've been there what seven, eight years? Yep, just over seven years, about seven and a half years. Okay. And what kind of a job, Brad? And how old are you? Thirty-three years old, assistant manager at a retail store. So you're looking at anywhere from six to nine months of pay, okay, is what you would be owed. So let's let's go to the middle ground, you know, seven, eight months. That's what you would be, be owed in this situation. So you're at 18 weeks. 18 weeks is, I don't know, four months or so. So you're about half of what you need to be. So that, that's, that's a wrongful dismissal any day of the week, any way you look at it. And all that's that the bad news. Including, um, we also get bonuses. So we get quarterly bonuses four times a year company has made money in the first three quarters and have given out uh profit sharing for each quarter um with a significant amount of money because we're the the company's doing great so excellent point because your bonuses also have to be included as part of your severance your bonuses your benefits continuation uh you know if there's a pension contribution that the company makes Everything has to be included as part of your severance. So the bad news is that you're owed significantly more. The good news is that that's not difficult to resolve. 
you know, a letter from me is, is going to resolve it. You know, it's what we do. So, Brad, you called the show. Terrific. I told you what you're owed. Now, the next step is call me off air or email me. Uh, John here is going to give you my contact information. Let's have a chat and let me help you get what you're owed. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Brad. That was the uh, best phone call I guarantee you've made this week for sure. It's going to pay off uh, indeed. Here is that number, one 821 5900 Again, one 821 5900 Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll take a short break and get right back to lots more of your phone calls. Bring them on. Love talking to you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. Mike, thanks for hanging on through that break. How are you? Good. Yourself? Good, pal. What's uh, what's on your mind? Okay, so I don't know if you've heard this one or not. I hope it's simple, but uh, I referee hockey um, year-round uh, for 11 years. Um, last six months, there's been three occasions where players and I have not seen eye-to-eye and things have been said, and last week they decided, the owner decided that he no longer wanted me to have a relationship with the business and let me go. So I don't know if it's considered seasonal work or since it's not not a, a salary position or anything like that. So, uh, Mike, were you uh, an employee? Were they withholding taxes off your pay? Uh, they were not withholding taxes, no. Okay. So you hour- were- yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. It was uh, an hourly. Uh, they paid hourly. Okay, and what kind of hours were you putting in, let's say, in a week or a month? Um, it was about uh, $900 a month. $900 a month, and uh, other than being a referee, did you? I'm assuming you had other work you were doing? Not for them. I have a full-time job, yeah. You, have, you do have a full-time job, okay. And yeah. in, in terms of the, uh, the work that you were doing for them, the refereeing, was it one of those things where you tell them when you're available and then they schedule you? That's right. So on the Wednesday or Thursday, they would say, what, what can you work the next uh, weekend and the, like the next 10 days? And then they would schedule those 10 days. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. You actually may be the, that rare breed that is a true independent contractor only because of the fact that obviously it's not your, your main gig. You do that you know, a few hours here and there. You have a full-time job. Uh, you're not obligated to work a certain number of days or, or, or games. You can tell them when you want to work, when you don't want to work. Uh, obviously, there's no real kind of supervision. You come in, you referee, and, and, and you go. So because you're an independent contractor, you're likely not going to be – you're not going to have significant entitlements as relates to your, uh, to, to your termination. Now – if you had signed the contract, let's say you had signed the contract for a specific period of time, let's say till uh, you know the end of the year, and they let you go, then they may actually owe you payment till the end of the year. But if it's one of those uh, kind of open-ended agreements, you probably are not going to have significant entitlements, perhaps a couple of weeks notice or a couple of weeks pay, but probably not more than that because you're likely a true independent contractor. And what I mean by true is most people, in fact, are misclassified. They're really employees that are being tr- called independent contractors when they're not really. But you probably sound to me like a, like a true independent contractor. Okay. Um, I also, a month ago, uh, we had an agreement where I would start running some tournaments. Um, and although I hadn't, I mean, I'd done some legwork, there'd been no 
no money or anything set up for that. So I guess it would be too much in its infancy to get any compensation for that as well. Well, no, not necessarily. If you can show that you had done some work based on you know what they told you and you put hours, then yeah, you may be able to claim compensation for that time spent. Now, as long as it's legitimate and it's something that you, that had to be done, as opposed to hey, I'm 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 curious about this, so I'm going to spend some time you know researching stuff. That may not be something you be it can be compensated. But if you're actually doing some real work in in uh, consideration of the discussions you had yeah you may well be able to get compensated so if you want to chat about that more uh a mic off air why don't you give me a call I'll, we'll get some more information from you and if i can help you get compensation for that or anything else i'd be happy to do it okay i appreciate that thank you thank you mike appreciate the call uh that number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred mike or help at employmentlawyer.ca steve thanks for hanging on good evening how are you I'm doing well, thanks. Appreciate you taking my call. You bet. Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, long story short, I'm in a management role in a construction company. Started off as a laborer, worked my way into the management role, been there 25 years, have never signed a contract. Hmm. Um, they treat me well. You know, you were talking about bonuses earlier. My bonuses reflect how the company does in general. I think that's, you know, fair. Yeah. But, uh, is that worrisome? I have no, like, I have not signed a document that says, you know, wages, raises come. Some years are better than others. Fair enough. But there's really no set specifics. I mean, I'm 50 years old now. I've been there 25 years. And now you're like, geez, I want to hang on here. I don't want, you know, if the tables get flipped, where do I stand? You're in a great position. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I, 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 I love this question, and, and yeah. this is something we've talked before on air. So let me, let me make you feel hopefully a lot better, and that is this, uh, Stephen. In your situation, you are far, far, far better off not having a contract, working on a, on a handshake deal rather exactly. than having – you're so much better off doing that than having an employment agreement. And I know it sounds counterintuitive. You know, there's, there's a sense of security, right, when we have something in writing, and I get it. But when it comes to employment, if we're talking from the perspective of the employee, you are far better off not having an employment agreement. And the reason for that, all an employment agreement is contains terms that limits your entitlements and gives the company the right to do things that they couldn't otherwise do. So I'm going to give you an example. If the company tomorrow, for whatever reason, decides to part ways with you, uh, right. you've been there for 25 years, obviously you're in a managerial role, the yeah. law takes care of you. The law comes and assesses your entitlements based on a number of factors, and someone in your situation would be entitled to, to easily 24 months of pay, whereas the terms of an employment agreement can actually limit you to as little as eight weeks pay. So, oh, wow. so, so instead of 24 months, it could be eight weeks. You do the math at your compensation. That could, that's easily tens and tens of thousands of dollars, and, and that's just one example. So, as as much as I know, that's not kind of what you necessarily expected. Trust me on this. You are far better off not having an employment agreement. If there is ever a problem, your your pay gets cut, your job gets changed, you're let go, the law is going to take care of you and impose certain rights on you. If that ever happens, you give me a call, but. Do not go bug your employer about an employment agreement. You are much, much better off as you are. Like you said, completely counterintuitive, right? So no, yeah. I appreciate that a lot. Absolutely. Thank you very much. No problem.
Thank you. Appreciate it, Steve. And uh, carry on. Any other questions? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That will put you in touch with Lior and a member of the team. So make sure you keep that uh, close by. Next up would be uh, Teen. Hello. How are you? Hi, it's Dean. Dean. Okay, I got a misprint here. I, I've no, never no heard the problem. never heard the name Teen, so I assume that's probably incorrect. Dean, how are you, pal? I'm very good, thank you. Good, man. What's up? Okay. So my story's a little convoluted, but I'll explain. Uh, I was working with a private college. They told us they were closing the campus in November of 2018. Not a problem. They gave me notice. I was the last employee at the campus running the closeout for all the students. Uh, Our campus director from the first college went to work at a second college. I got hired on part-time. I was put on the schedule. about 10 days before I was supposed to start working, and I'd already done about 9 to 12 weeks with them part-time. And about 10 days before I was supposed to start on my regular schedule with them, they told me I had been taking off of the schedule. And I'm almost 60 years old, and I could have been looking for work for the previous five to six months, except I thought I had a job. Right. Yeah, I, I hear you. And... and- how long have you has it been since you've actually worked for them? Uh, a little over a month. And have you followed up with them? Have you asked them what what's the status of your uh, position? I asked them face to face because I was actually working at their campus for my first college because we right. had a flood, and so therefore I was in contact with them all the time. And they told me how much work they had for me and everything. I was on the schedule, and then I got an email about ten days left saying, you know, you're off the schedule. And when I asked what it was about, they had nothing other than we're changing schedules. And so that is all I know. So basically, I considered myself laid off or fired, and I didn't know if I had any rights. Oh, absolutely, you do. And that's a, you're absolutely right that the, the whole essence of having a job is you get work to do, and then you get paid for that work. And if you don't get work, that is a termination. It doesn't matter if they haven't called it that. They couldn't have terminated you any more than they have. They're simply giving you zero work and zero pay. So you've been terminated. And yes, how long did you actually work there for? It was a few weeks? Okay. So I actually signed the contract for May of this year. Yes. And I worked, well, three to four courses, so nine to 12 weeks. But they knew I had to complete the other college's work because I was the last employee running courses. Uh, They were aware of it because I was working on their site. And I worked for the previous college for five to six years. Got it. Okay. So we may not be able, we probably won't be able to get you credit for the, the the years that you were with the other college, although I would like to talk to you off air. I have a couple of ideas, perhaps how we can rope that in. But even putting that aside, just looking at the time you spent with this particular college, and given the fact that you, you know, you're 60 years old, I could easily assess your entitlements as about three months' pay. So uh, easily, and it could be even slightly higher than that. So okay. yeah, you, you have been terminated. If we could potentially get you credit for the t- in terms of calculating your seniority for the time you had with the previous college, and we may be able to do that, you could be easily looking at eight or nine or ten months' pay. But either way, you're owed compensation. There's no way they can avoid paying you that compensation. So what I want you to do, uh, Dean, I want you to contact me off air uh, or call or email. We'll give you my contact information in a sec. And let's you, you and I have that discussion, and obviously I'll help you get what you're owed. Thank you very much. Dean, appreciate the call and your time. That number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, Rochelle, good evening. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Great. What's uh, what can we help you with? Okay, so the question I have is uh, for the last year, maybe year and a half at my my job, I've been allowed to, and the other employees that I work with, we've allowed to have flex hours. And now um, uh, we've got a new manager who has taken over, and she's just there for the interim. But as of Tuesday, she announced at a staff meeting that uh, we're no longer allowed to have flex hours, um, that we're going to have to pick a set time. And if we have to come in late or leave early for appointments, you know, that we're going to have to get approval ahead of time, and she's changing it. My question is, if this has been in place now for this period of time, you know, can they, I am also part of a union, I don't know if that makes a difference, but can can they just decide to change that like that? So that's a good question, and, and the, the only one that can actually answer that is the union, because you're part of a union, because the union has to look and say whether they're allowed to do this under the terms of the collective agreement. And here's, here's the thing, I, I am sure that the, the, there was ne- not necessarily an obligation on them to provide your flex hours under the collective agreement. That yeah. said, there's a, there's a notion that once an employer gives you a certain right, they can't just take that away. They can't decide, now we're not going to give you that right anymore. It becomes a term of employment. So you need to talk to your union about that and say, well, you know, can we take the position that now that right to flex hour has been entrenched, and because of that, they can't just take it away. But ultimately, regardless of what the conclusion is, the union is the only one that can help you enforce those rights. They can only one that can deal with the employer on the issue of the flex hours. So your, your next step has to be, uh, Rochelle, to talk to your union and, and uh, address the exact same issue with them as soon as possible. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate your advice. Appreciate it, Rochelle, and appreciate your time. We're moving on to, uh, to Paul. Hey, Paul, how are you? Hi, good, thanks. I am Go ahead. also in a unionized environment, and I'm Go. off on, on sick leave, uh, stress leave. I've been off for a few weeks, but uh, I'm, I'm wondering, am I allowed to uh, do other work? Like, basically, I'm just doing skip the dishes and, you know, food delivery. Uh, it's not stressful. It's totally unrelated to what I'm doing in the union environment. So that that, that is a... <laughs> A bit of a concern, simply because if your employer finds out that you're doing other work, they may say, well, wait a second, if you can work there, then you can work here, uh, so why are you off? So what I would do is I would talk to your union, get your union's blessing on that front, because I understand exactly what you're saying, because it's it's you're not off because of a bad back, right? You go off yeah. for stress leave, so some, some jobs may be fine to do, some others, some may not be. But do not do this without talking to your union and getting your union's blessing. If your union says, yes, we understand, you're fine, and maybe even get something to show your union from your doctor, okay, that, that says, yes, uh, he, uh, Brad is not, or, or Paul is not able to do this work, but he's able to do that type of work. And as long as your union is on board and says you're fine, then you're fine, you're protected, you're good. I would not do that without getting your union's blessing. I've, I've actually, uh, you know, download and read the uh, collective agreement and there's hmm. nothing in there about that does that matter too or well there, there wouldn't be right but it's it's a simple notion that if if you can't work then you can't work and if you know if you were lying about your inability to work then you could oh, be no. fired for cause for that so which yeah. is why you need to uh, to get ahead of that i wouldn't talk to your employer but i would talk to your union about that and if they say yeah you're fine to do it we understand what your doctor's saying, so if there's a problem, we'll back you up, then you're okay. You're fine. But if your union is not on board, you're taking a big risk by working somewhere uh, when you're off uh, off work for stress leave because uh, from your main job. 
Moving on to uh, Alicia. Hi, Alicia. Thank you for hanging on. How are you? Good. Go ahead. Um, I just have a, I've been with my company for five years. Mm-hmm. I'm a personal support worker. I do home care. Um, I did my yearly review on Monday, and usually when we do that, we can ask for a raise and it'll get approved. And my supervisor turned around and said, I have to work 12-hour shifts to get a raise. Okay. And uh, obviously in the past, you you did not have to do anything like that to get a raise? No. And what kind of raises were you getting in the past? You know, give me a sense. We got, like, how- I got hired at fourteen fifty. We got the government raises. Right. Yes. Um. So then we went up to sixteen fifty, and now I'm making seventeen thirty-five. Two cream, medium coffee. So here's the thing. Generally speaking, there's no legal. Uh, uh, obligation on an employer to give a pay raise unless of course there's a contract in place that uh, obligates them there's really no legal requirement that they give a pay raise therefore if there isn't a legal requirement they can decide when and how uh, to give the pay raise so because they don't have to they can say well we don't have to but we will as long as you work these shifts so because of that, I don't think there's going to be much you can do. Now, if there, again, if there was a legal obligation on them to, to provide pay raise, maybe there's a contract that requires it, then they can't impose conditions on that. But because there's no legal requirement, I, I think they're in the right here. It's not fair, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's illegal. So in this particular situation, I don't think there's much that can be done. Okay, just because when I started working with them, I was working like 12-hour days, if not longer. And then at the end of the year, my company actually deducted like $500 off my paycheck, saying if they didn't do that, I would owe that in taxes. Right, okay. So that's why I kind of cut my hours back, because you can't really afford that, right? Especially at the Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Now, here's the thing, and what I want you to understand is they can't change your hours. They can't say, well, now we've decided you're going to work these other hours. They, they can't do that. If they do that, that, you could treat that as a constructive dismissal. But if they're saying, no, no, we're not changing your hours. We're just saying if you want to raise. availability, right? Like we give them our availability to work. Right. As long as, long as they're not changing your hours or making you work other hours, then, then you're fine. If, if all they're saying is, we will only give you a raise if you do this. That's different. But if they don't have the right to change your hours unilaterally, that would be a constructive dismissal. Alicia, appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for uh, for calling in. Craig, uh, thanks for standing by. How are you? Good, good, thanks. Good. Go ahead. Yeah, just a simple question about uh, sure. on-call time and uh, potential compensation. Of, uh, we've not had to be on call before, and then we've been recently uh, – Asked potentially that we might have to be on call in the future, but then we would only get paid if we have are actually called. But we would have to have our work phones with us to for the duration of that day or time period, I guess. Okay, so, so what's what's uh, your question then? So, I guess is is that the right compensation to only be paid for the time that you were called, or the time you're required to actually carry and be ready to be. Uh, Yes, no. So so it is right now, it's only for the time you were called. The, the, the previous government had changed that to, to make them to make the company pay you even if you're not actually being called. But the current government scaled that back. And, and because of that, right now, they only have to pay if you actually get called. 
Okay, and they they can require you to to be on call. Well, here's the thing: if that's not some, is that a new thing that, that you hadn't didn't have to be on call before? No, no. So that that is different. So it's not even a question of pay; it's a question of do they even have the right to require you? And I'm going to say that if you now have to be on call in times that before you didn't, which obviously is going to impact you in a significant way, that is mm-hmm. a big deal. That's a significant change to the terms of employment. So yeah. you may then, and it's not something they're allowed to do, so you may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Ultimately, you have to decide this. You have to decide, would you prefer to continue working with this on-call structure, or would you rather leave and, and treat your employment as being terminated and leave with severance? How, how long have you been with this company? Oh, like more, more than 20 years, yeah. Oh, so wow. you could you could easily be looking at 18 months pay or more by way of severance. So mm-hmm. one of the decisions you have to make is do you want to continue working and be on call or say, no, no, you've changed the deal. You changed the terms of employment. I'm going to treat that as a termination. If that's something that you want to do before you tell them to jump in the lake and you're not doing it, I want you, I want you to call me, okay, because we need to do this right. There's obviously a lot at stake given your yeah. years of service. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. They, they don't have a right to impose that uh, regardless of how they pay for it. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it, Craig. Here is that number. Write it down. Have it one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And simply help at employmentlawyer.ca to carry on uh, from here. I think we got time to get uh, to get Tracy on there. Hi, Tracy. Good evening. Hi. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's going on with you? Uh, well, I'm just calling. I have a question regarding leave of absences. Sure. Um, I'm in a management position. We have an employee who's been off for almost eight months now on a medical leave of absence. We've had an interim person filling in for her, um, and she has not given us a return date yet. And I'm just wondering how long can she legally stay on a leave of absence um, without giving us any sort of time frame for a return? So uh, there's no necessarily a legal requirement to give you a time frame only because there may not be a time frame, right? In some situations, you're, you're, you're sick, you're trying to get better, and it's not clear be how long you can be off work uh, or you're going to have to be. As long as she has a doctor backing her up, then she remains an employee. Now, at some point, once you're looking at a leave that's now you know over a year and a half, two years, and there's still no likelihood of coming back to work, at that point, you may be able to treat the employment as being frustrated, but that's not something you're there after eight months. So I would follow up with her, make sure that she's still looking to come back to work at some point, make sure that she updates you. If you get to the two-year mark at that point, you may be able to pull the trigger. I wouldn't do that before then. Okay, perfect. Appreciate it. Thank you, uh, Tracy. Bob, we literally have a minute. Can you ask your question that quickly? Okay. Uh, Go. In regards to a friend of mine that worked for me, service uh, she was paid far less than minimum wage is the employer not required to pay you at least minimum wage right absolutely there's not even a question absolutely yes there's no exceptions to that best recourse if she's not getting paid minimum wage is to go file a complaint with the ministry of labor happy to talk to her as well but that's absolutely illegal bob 
Great night, guys. Appreciate everybody phoning in. We didn't even get to the content. We'll save it. Don't worry. We'll be back with that and your emails as well. If you haven't checked it out yet, all things employment, before you even need to call the or pocket employmentlawyer.ca, there is a contact button there as well. Otherwise, it's anonymous. The phone number, 1-855-821-5900. And finally, that email address, use it, keep it, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Back on the weekend and go to the website as well. You want to find it where you can catch our TV show. We'd love to have you there on the weekend. Go absolutely nowhere. Stay seated. On Point returns right here on Global News Radio.